Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, guess who had like a super busy week at work and a super busy week of evenings doing other work? Yeah, was it you? Uh, it was. <laughs> so we need to do a chit chat today. Nice. Let's do it. <laughs> Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, Chit, otherwise known as Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, I guess otherwise known as, as Chat. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Chit Chat. Chit See? Chat, yes. All right, uh, folks, uh, if you're new here, be warned, this is a Chit Chat episode. This is not indicative of our normal episodes. If you want one of our normal episodes where people write in with GMing advice and we give said advice, uh, listen to pretty much anyone that doesn't have the title Chit Chat in it. It's um, true. We, we do these only ever so often and we do them when something has happened and we don't have time to prepare an episode, which was this week. Absolutely, um, yes. And this week, it is my fault um, because <laughs> this week I had an extraordinarily uh, busy work week uh, all week. And then, and as we will be talking about during the course of this episode, we were busy all in the evenings this week doing more work. Uh, and we'll get into that in a second, uh, which basically rendered me kind of mentally drained by Friday, which is normally when I prep the show notes for the show. And then that was just a no go. Um, I spent my night laying on the couch watching TV, which was all the energy I could muster. Uh, so we didn't want to skip an episode. So we decided to do a chit chat. Yep, we are going to do a chit chat. What's our topic of this chit chat? The topic of the chit chat is actually turning point. So if you are new to the show or new to the media that we create, turning point is a game that Phil and I created several years ago. Um, it is a dramatic, oh no. Collaborative it's dramatic co decision-making engine. Yes. Words that I actually came up with and hilariously can't remember when put on the spot. Again, let's talk about recall, shall we? Um, <laughs> so what we actually committed to doing this week and the reason that this is the topic of our chit chat is we haven't touched this game in, gosh, two four years. years, four years. It's been is a it while. Is it 2023? It's 2023. The draft, some, I wrote it in 20, I wrote the manuscript in 2019. There are comments from 2020, so... Oh, yeah, we started in 2020. We'll get to that in a second when we cover the history of it. But the game has been in development since probably 2017 or 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, anyway, suffice it to say, we committed ourselves this week to going back through the manuscript that we hadn't touched in quite a while Um basically with Phil going through first and me following up behind him um, to uh, to start getting this thing, getting the train back on the tracks to get this thing ready to actually go through um, a publication slash production, uh, you know, mm -hmm. cycle. The actual real thing that we had been working towards before. Yeah, our intent is actually to publish the manuscript, which um, we had left on a shelf. Yes. 
which I guess is, um, I guess the best way to do this is let's first talk about what the game actually is beyond its tagline. Sure. And then we can talk about the history of the game, uh, where it came from for people who haven't listened to, you know, us all the way through our back catalog um, and why uh, we stopped working on it. Yeah. And then we'll get into um, restarting it. And what did we find once we went back into the oh, manuscript? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a moment to talk about Turning Point as a game. Turning Point is a story game. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, tabletop role-playing game. Yes. And um, it is basically made for one shots. Yes. I don't think okay. there's a basically. I, I It would be challenging have, to play it as anything else. <laughs> I have envisioned a campaign version of it. It is not in any really? manuscript. Oh yeah. You just pick like four or five like turning points in a person's oh, life and you just keep telling that the like, same, person's story. Yeah, Sure. Play the same person. Okay. Through. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Put that, park okay, that yeah, to yeah, the yeah. side. Sorry. Park that to the side. Send a, <laughs> yes. Where did turning point originally come from? Yeah. So... Way, way back in the olden days, um, I think we both had some pretty radical self-discoveries. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in what, like 2015, 2016? Yeah. 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 Um, pretty radical self-discoveries uh, just about who we are as humans um, and what that meant for how we wanted to live our lives just generally. and. Yeah. And so when we talk about um, Turning Point, what we're really talking about is a game in which you as a group play through the Turning Point decision, a life-changing decision of an individual, um, something that usually comes up through self-discovery and understanding, and then is impacted by the uh, the person's history, right? What baggage do they carry with them that is impacting how they approach the decision and what decision they end up making? And that, that both, both from the initial standpoint of wouldn't it be interesting to make a game that was specifically about those moments in your life where you have to make sort of this crossroads decision that we had both recently done. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, what were the things that impacted our personal decisions um, from the context of how we had lived our lives up to this point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the original version of the game was really based around one decision, right? The the earliest notes (laughs) that we have for the game was based on a wedding night. Sorry. Not a wedding night. Not the night, night before the, the, the night wedding. Before, yes. Revelation. Yes. It was a coming out kind of thing. Yes. And it was going to be like, does does this person marry their partner? Do they right? go through with the wedding? Yeah. Having had the the come come to the light moment that they just had. And to be fair, and I think take a moment here to I'm going to be a little candid about myself um i will let i will leave it up to you to how candid you want to be with yourself uh the the original genesis for this turning point is a coming out story 
Yes. And honestly, one that went poorly, right? Yeah. Um, so the whole purpose when we originally wrote it was like, you know, let's play a gut-wrenching story game because we were into gut-wrenching story games back in those days. Let's play a gut-wrenching story game about somebody who comes out to their partner like mere hours before their wedding and does their partner go through with the wedding. Yeah. Do now that's not ex- acceptance. Right. And, now, and that do? wasn't yeah. exactly the story for either of us. Yeah. But it was a very <laughs> good analogy of the kind of story that we wanted to tell. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want you to just people keep that in mind. Like the original framing for this is like a failed, the ins- inspiration was a failed coming out story. Yeah. Okay. So we started the original work on the game tooling around with that idea, but it didn't actually take long to realize that we could do with Turning Point the same thing that Fiasco did with playsets, which is we could build an engine for making a life-changing decision, but we could probably switch out the life-changing decisions. Yeah. And yeah. And we did. And it works great. <laughs> yeah. So so when we started working on the game, we started with, I think, three or four. I can't remember if they all happened at the same time. But we came up with three or four what we called dilemmas, right? Our equivalent of the fiasco play, play set. And they are uh, the first one, which will come to no surprise, is My Kinky Life. Mm-hmm. which is the coming out story one. Yes. Uh, just not, I think just not centered on a wedding. Like we pulled it back from the, from the wedding part, but it is a coming out story and will you, or won't you stay together? Yes. Then there's, then there's baby blues. What, which one is baby blues? Yeah. Baby blues is, will you, will you, your, your partner wants to have children. Are you going to have children? Right. Yeah. Um, and then what? I want a new drug. Uh, I want a new one? drug. Yep. I want a new drug is uh, the decision that you have a chronic illness and there is a drug. It is a bit risky uh, if you take it, but if you take it um, and the side effects and you aren't affected by the side effects, then uh, you will be uh, cured of your chronic condition or um, do you live with your chronic condition and not risk the potential side effects? The the scary potential side effects. Yeah, yeah. They're, right? they're yeah. not trivial. Yeah. They're not trivial side effects. Right. Um, and then lastly, we wrote um, Dream Job. Oh, yeah. Dream Job. Dream Job. Yes. Dream Job, which is, which is a decision about leaving your um, sort of reliable steady employment that is lucrative to go do the thing that actually fulfills your soul, but might not pay you very much. Yeah, exactly. So those were our original four life-changing decisions. And around those, we started to build the rules of the game and started to evolve the game from just an early idea into an actual playable uh, game. And we worked on it a bunch and took it to Metatopia. Yeah, a couple of times. Right, we took it to Metatopia for its first alpha play. Yeah, Yeah. it did its first alpha play test at Metatopia, um, came back with a lot of notes. Yes, in fact, two notable people played in our um, play test. Uh, the first one was Jason Cordova. Oh, yeah. 
of of many many games fame now, right? Yes, the, the Gauntlet podcast and Brindlewood Bay and Brindle public Woods. access yeah. and all of that stuff. Yep. Jason, um, Jason was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, and Rich Ruain from yeah. um, Moon, what is it Moonlight over Roosevelt Beach? Yes. Is, uh, and a few other games to um, Rich's credit as well. But they both played in the first actual playtest, a playtest that consisted of more than you and I. Yes, the first uh, playtest that had more people than just us. Yes. Yes. And we actually did My Kinky Life. And it was um, it was pretty intense, actually, as I remember it. Yeah. Um, and, and the game wasn't perfect. No, of course not. But But it was... Good enough that at the end of the play test, not only did we get really good feedback, but we were, uh, we realized that there was enough, a phrase I love using, right? Enough meat on the bone. Yes. That we should pursue further development of the game. Yes. Yeah. It went well enough. It ticked along well enough. It clicked well enough that it was worth investing more time into to polish right. it up. Yeah. So we did. Cut. Yes. Yes, we did. So so we did. And for the better part of the next year, uh, we continued to work on the game. We continued to uh, polish it, continued to refine parts of it where it wasn't quite clicking well enough. There were some places where uh, we enhanced some of the mechanics to get it to do more of what we wanted to do. Yeah. And just to 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 also dive in on that slightly more. A lot of turning point, a lot of the pieces of turning point are the prescription for a series of scenes. And so a lot of the work that we did was getting more specific about how you play the scenes in such a way that it gets you to the places you need to get in the game, right? So yep. a lot of it was just getting really clear about when you play a scene, here's kind of the different phases you're going to go through and how you get there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might be a good place right here to um, pause our historical narrative of the game sure. and talk a little bit about how the game actually plays. Sure. So Turning Point is a game where where probably like five of you, uh, although it could it could be more, it could be less, but it gets challenging. Right. So ideally, five is the ideal five moment. of you, um, five of you sit down together and you create a single character. You are going to play through all of these um, moments, that the story from the perspective of this character that you create together. Um, and the goal being that you create a character that you care about whether you like them or not, right? Um, or you care about what decision they're going to make. Right. So after picking the dilemma, after creating the character, it, what we don't do, right? So what Turning Point does not do, Turning Point does not let you directly make the life-changing decision for the character, right? Yes. It is based on a premise that the decisions that we make in our lives are made based on what is important to us, like emotionally, what different, different things that are emotionally important to us based on things that have happened in our past. Yeah. And so what we did was, we, the game doesn't let you make the actual end decision. What it does is it goes through five scenes, which we call moments, and each scene resolves a pair of feelings like acceptance versus rejection. Mm -hmm. Right. And the scene, um, 
has like a prompt that says like acceptance versus rejection when you confide in a friend about something that might not be popular. Yeah. Right. Very vague. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is through play, uh, we, we've, as Senda said, we made one character. So in each moment, a different person plays the character. Mm-hmm. And then another person will play an important NPC from that character's life. Mm-hmm. And then they play out the moment. And during the course of role playing that moment, a couple things happen. So one, everybody who's not the active player, right? The player who is playing the character and the supporting player, the player who's playing the NPC. The other three of you are what are called the psyche. Yes. And your job is to interact with the character as the voices in their head. I like saying maybe their inner monologue better. Sure. Right? Like it's, you, you are, your it's job, you. your job is to give challenging and conflicting advice and questions to the player. Yeah. To the active player. Yeah. Um, your, your job be, is to be the complication um, the complicated decision-making process or the complicated experiential process that is emotionally impacting the, the character in this moment during that scene. Exactly. So your job is to basically agitate. Yes. The, make it worse. Right. You're, you make it worse. Ratchet up um, the tension. Yeah. Play on their, play on their uh, fears, play like their indignation to certain events that are happening, whatever. Like, the, it, the psyche is free to stir up trouble in the mind of the character. Yes. And then the scene continues to play. And eventually everyone who's participating in the scene, all five of you, vote for which emotional point this scene will fall upon, right? Will it, will it be acceptance? Will it be rejection? Will it, will it be safety? Will it be insecurity? Whatever those two pairs are. And um, that is the emotional beat that that moment in time has created. Mm-hmm. Now, coupled with that is how intense is that emotional beat in the overall landscape of this character psyche? And the way we do that is we have something called heartstrings. Yeah, heartstrings are tokens that they're kind of like in the quiet year when you get mm-hmm. mad at someone for doing something and you just you take a token. And you're like, what yes. are those called? Like disgruntled, they're not, they're not disgruntlement tokens, but. No, discord? they're discord, discord tokens. Go. But but to be clear, they're not kind of like, in yeah, fact, they were directly, directly inspired from, <laughs> yes. by um, Avi from Metatopia was the one who uh, suggested uh, that mechanic. And we actually then went and um, hammered it all out to yeah. get it, to get it to work. So yes. So back to, there's a token. A pile of tokens on the middle of the table called heartstrings. What happens? When you feel something for the scene, whether it is acknowledgement of like the role playing that's occurring in front of you, if it is a reaction that's like a personal reaction or investment, um, or uh, I don't remember what the C stands for. What does the C stand for? Connection, right. When you feel feel it personally. When you feel it personally, which is what I was going to say. I just forgot the word we used for it. Um, You have that empathetic, direct, personal connection to something that's going on or something that's been said in the scene. Um, You take a heartstring. So the heartstrings are representative um, in terms of their collection with how impactful that scene feels to the players at the table. 
which then correlates to how impactful that scene and that emotion end up being to the character's life, right? So at the end of the scene, you collect all of these heartstrings and you count them up. And if you have a small number of heartstrings, then it didn't have, you know, it happened, it had some impact, but it wasn't maybe huge. And when you have a large number of heartstrings, then that particular emotion and that particular moment in that character's life were really important and really key and very formative of how they react to future dilemmas, right? So after playing out five moments, we have five emotions. Each one has a certain amount of emotional weight. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get into too deep how this happens, but by looking at that, you determine which decision the uh, character makes. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, you don't make the decision directly. You make the decision as a culmination of those um, those five moments. And that means that you don't know which way that decision is going to go. Um, you could have picked um, certain emotions leaning in one direction, but they may not have all been as impactful as one or two other emotions in the other direction. And so there's this uncertainty that occurs that ultimately leads to the revelation of what the actual decision is. Yeah. And I, I will just say, because I know that, um, Sometimes one of the discussion points that has come up with this game in playtesting is that people um, are actually really frustrated that they don't get to directly make a decision on behalf of the character in some way. Um, and it's interesting to me because I think we we were definitely interested in you know, as the baseline premise of this game, specifically in how our past experiences inform the decisions that we make, whether we consciously acknowledge those things or not, right? Sure. And I think that's the, I think that's the crux of it. It really is. If I present you two choices that you are not like emotionally invested in, right? If I just give you at the table two choices, right? You'll always pick the more logical choice. Sure. Yeah. Right. But that's, but, but if we look at how people make choices. Yeah. This is where we get to like, let's, so realistically, and again, speaking from a personal perspective. Yes. You and I both carry some amount of childhood trauma. And I think that many people in the world do. I don't know that you get through a childhood without picking up something, right? Like that is just inevitable, right? And the way that those experiences have impacted us specifically led to how we approached the decisions that led to the creation of this game. Right. Like (laughs) that is absolutely true. And that path is so easy to plot A to B to C. Right. If we do. When you go to therapy, it is. Right. 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 I mean, we should say. (laughs) When you go to therapy, therapy, you're like, oh, "Oh, I think I get it. So this game is also a direct result of the fact that we've both been in therapy for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I have some other life experiences. Like I don't want to, I, I don't want to get into them in the main show, but I have some other life experiences where I have looked at decisions that people have made and were like, I don't get it. This is dumb. Why would this person do this? And then they tell me a story about part of their life. And I'm like, oh, never mind. It's completely obviously totally like why you did this. Yeah. Totally yeah. understand why you did that. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so 
that's like the, the crux of it is like, yeah, you can't make the actual decision for the character. What you do is you determine what is the emotional landscape of this character. And then by the time you make the decision, when you get to the end game and you're discussing the decision, it becomes pretty clear. You're like, oh, this person fears rejection more than anything. Yeah. Like, of of course they went in this direction because they would never want to be rejected. Right. They would not put themselves in a situation right. that felt like they could be rejected like that because, you know, we we drew so many heartstrings on that scene that it outweighed everything else that happened it, at the table, for yeah, example. Which, which isn't exactly, no, like, you can't it's not really exactly, dominate right? it, like, but, but you can definitely but have, like, a high peak that drives you in a direction. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, as but a, as a, for example, absolutely theoretical, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's, so that's turning point. We played the shit out of this game. So much. <laughs> right. We, we play tested it. We took it to every convention. Every convention. We, we played play it multiple tested times. It. Yes. Play tested it at home. Play tested it on the road. Play tested we, it everywhere. We did a one shot sure, episode. If you, you can go hear us play it. Which one did we play? on oh, one great. shot i, I can't I, even I remember which feel one like it's that a was. new drug it might it might oh it might have been yeah so i mean yeah. you can go back it's several it's many years ago at this point yep. we recorded it at metatopia and i will warn you that there are a couple mechanics that we changed yeah there are a couple little so. things that yeah, are different if you listen things. to that episode uh but we also because why are we talking about a game if it doesn't exist right and just teasing you with it right we did more than just tease you it's true we, we actually wrote and published a quick start for yes. this game. And what it is, is it's actually a, the whole PDF is a script for how to set up and play the game right at the table. Yes. You it can tell it was designed by someone who didn't know she had ADHD yet. I mean, in terms of the the concept of the fact that it is both the rules and also you can literally like you could read it and then you would know the rules and you could just go to the table and play it. That's fine. Or if you have recall issues like me, what we came around to was this is also the script that you could read at the table. And by script, I mean, there are sections that have like a little speaking head that tell yes. you like, read Say these this. parts. Read this yeah. aloud. Yeah. <laughs> read these parts, you know, out loud just read these parts to yourself, et cetera. It yes. even tells you like, put these things out on the table. Mm -hmm. Like do like, it's very, it is very much designed to get it in play. And if I re remember correctly, I think baby blues and new drug are I think, included. Yeah. I think I there think are, two, are two. Yeah. I think there are two um, dilemmas that are included. Yeah. Anyway, we were well on our way to getting this book off to Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, ready to go to Kickstarter. I believe the date we had was April of 2020. <laughs> yes, we were, we were like right there. We were like right there. I mean, right there. the manuscript was written. It's written. Yep. Yep. And we were starting to look it over. Mm -hmm. And a little something happened on the way to April of 2020. <laughs> yeah, that little something being... COVID. Yes. Uh, if, yeah. if you recall from a few years ago, and I'm not being, I'm not joking about this, but when everything shut down, which was one traumatic enough by itself, um, when everything shut down, a lot of people got laid off. Yeah. A lot of people suddenly didn't have any income. 
Right. And so we were, we made a decision. We were not going to run a Kickstarter and ask people to give us money while we were all in lockdown, while people were laid off and things like that. We were like, no, this can just wait. Yeah. And to be clear, there were people running Kickstarters during that time who were then turning towards their game design work to try to feed themselves, right? And neither of us were in that situation. And we did not want to be pulling any funding from people who were in that situation. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. We were like, we were fine financially. Right. Um, I mean, I, I took a pay cut, like I was partially furloughed, but it was, it was a cut that I could I mean, it wasn't like a lot of fun. Um, right. It took me back, you know, five years in my career. But like, I was like, right, um, cool. I This sucks. But I know how to live this tight. I don't love it, but I can do it, right? And, yeah. and that was a huge difference to people who suddenly didn't have jobs who were then like, I have to run this Kickstarter because um, I was planning to run it. But now I'm running it because, you know, these thousands of dollars now pay my rent. Um, exactly. Yeah, we were not in that situation. We were also... Um, both parents. Yeah. We both had kids in virtual school. Oh my God, which was a... <laughs> which, which was its own... <laughs> like, needless, work from home and also make your child go to school at the same time. So you're basically teaching and also working at the same time. Have fun with that. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, during that period of time, uh, we just were like, okay, we're not... We don't need this to live. We don't need the added stress of managing a Kickstarter, running a Kickstarter producing a book during this time of uncertainty let's just not yeah right let's the the quick start is out in the world um it's still out there it's not going to go anywhere it's still out there now yeah heck it's a it's a it's a copper bestseller yeah so we just we just put the whole thing um put the whole thing up on a shelf and we're like fine now another thing happened over those couple over those couple of years, um, one I had a couple of big life changes, including how um, including my separation, winding up here um, mm-hmm. in my apartment on my own. Um, but two, um, and and I don't want to pick apart this entire ball of wax, but I was doing I had a lot of unhealthy habits while I was deep in the RPG industry. I was working too hard. I had like almost no work-life balance. Um, I was doing things for the wrong reasons. They were driving decisions I was making. I was, I was, it was pretty mentally unhealthy for me. And when we shut everything down because of COVID, um, I went cold turkey. Yeah, right? you went I, like, from just, working all day and working another five hours at night to not to not and and started to like get some work life balance uh-huh. like started to not run from my problems i dealt with a lot of my problems um i changed my life i then suddenly had time to be with friends started mm-hmm. running more games with friends and even to this day i struggle with how to and we've talked about this on past episodes but how to reengage the um the community of yeah. of design and stuff like that, of which my solution is I really don't want to. Like I like making stuff, but I don't really like um and I have not figured out how to balance creating that stuff with my current schedule and current life. Yeah, I get the hustle is not fun. But I mean we'll just call it out. And as podcasters and yeah. as game designers, there's a lot of hustle to get visibility. Um yes. and it's it's frankly, just not very much fun. It was kind of, it was 
The hustle was fun for me when I started She's a Super Geek years and years ago, right? The initial sure. shine um, on 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 being able to create and be seen um, and validated by a community like that was very shiny. Um, 100%. It wore off after like three, four years um, in terms of podcasting, which is which is why we just are always like, hey, tell people about us, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, because we trying, don't hustle, right? I'm, I'm, I, it is an experiment in, in. I'm doing, you know, very calm experiments in how much hustle am I willing to do without it impacting me um, personally? But like the hustle that you need for a Kickstarter, for example, is huge because yes. you have to have done the hustle beforehand to already have the audience. Yep. And then you have to hustle during to get those people activated to engage with your content and give you money. Um, yes. and, and then the anxiety that yeah. comes with 30 days do, of do people like do people me? Like let's me. go check. Let's go let's, check the let's numbers. Let's go find out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, which I actually hate, right? I've, ta- I've been very clear about this in the past. I hate running Kickstarters. I love fulfilling Kickstarters. Right. Um, the anxiety in me. Right. The anxiety and little Phil that lives inside me hates the act of Kickstarters. And um, to the point that I'm just not going to do them anymore. Um, I will either find somebody to do them or I will find other ways to publish games. I don't want to do Kickstarters. I don't like how they make me feel. Right. Uh, Therefore, I am not interested. And I'm going to just this other part, which I don't think is a secret, but this industry doesn't pay well. No, no, like, like no. This industry doesn't pay well. And so how much time you want to invest in it has to be balanced with what you're getting out of it. And since neither one of us are looking to be famous, the other part of that would be money. And since it doesn't pay real good money, it's hard to be really engaged with this. Um, especially, you know, like when you don't need it to survive, which financially neither one of us need this um, gig for survival. No, which is great because I like not having to worry about healthcare and where my next meal is coming from. Like I I feel very privileged that I get to do that. And I don't, you know, I don't go to work in the morning like, yes, I'm going to be so fulfilled by the activities that I'm going to do today at work. But you know what I am fulfilled by? The stability. So now, and now you are hearing where did the dream job dilemma come yes. from, right? It, right we there. both know what decision we made. We yes. also know people who didn't make that decision, right? Yes. Who had a different emotional reaction to that concept and different pieces of their lives that they didn't have to worry about. You know, if you have children or not, blah, 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 right? Like there are different facets that would impact what decision you would make if you were at a turning point, dare I say, where you decided, you you know, am I doing my dream job or am I sticking with my lucrative day job? Right. I mean, there it is. Right. Yes. We We came back around. We both made a different decision. We both made, we both made the lucrative day job decision. decision. Yeah. So with all of that, right. The turning point manuscript, and you might be wondering, well, what's in the turning point manuscript if you already released the quick start of the game? Fair question. Yes. Let's tell you. Yes. (laughs) And then we'll get to what happened to it. Sure. So the idea was always that the quick start would be enough to play the game, but we had run the game a bunch. And so we had a bunch of advice. We had a bunch of advice about how to facilitate the game to make it better, how to, um, with more words, describe some of the activities in the game. And the intent behind them the intent behind them, all of those things. So we wanted to write a book that had all of that. It's not a huge book, 
but we wanted to put all that into a book that was like, okay, yeah, you can take the quick start and run the game. But if you want to know more about the game, if you want to get better at running this game, we've got some advice. Um, I will just add two more quick things to that. It will also have the other two dilemmas we didn't include in the quick start, Correct. right? And um, the section on how to write your own dilemmas. Correct. Because as we were talking about before, um, they're essentially like the 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 playset, the theme that you just lay over the rules. So the hope has always kind of been that we could get other people writing these dilemmas because the ones that we have are sort of centered around things that have been more personal to us specifically. And we simply can't be representative of the range of interesting and difficult decisions that people have had to make, right? Yeah, gosh, no. Gosh, no. Like, like absolutely not. So no. the there is definitely an, an important section in the book, which is how to write a dilemma, right? And we yeah. always were hoping that we would have dilemmas from many more perspectives than just ours um, to kind of fill out the potential of this game. Yeah, the thought was when we were going to do Kickstarters that we would do them as stretch goals and right. all that stuff. We were like stretch goals. We were lining people up to write interesting decisions about, um, you know, uh, transitioning genders, um, about um, what else? That was the one that I really remember. Yeah, I forget what some of the other we ones ha- were. They we were- had a list of like yep. five to ten more pretty solid ideas um, that, that we had just come up with or even just people that we had gone to like um, – we assume you've gone through some sort of difficult decision and we would be really interested in what you could turn that into as a dilemma experience if you're comfortable with it, um, you know, because we just think that, you know, you have the background to do something cool with it. Um, yeah, and that was always, like, like that was always a thought was like, there are really interesting decisions people could learn to play through. Yeah. But we are not the people to set them yeah, up. We can't write all of them. Right. We can't possibly... Uh, <laughs> yeah, not even not even close. And so, yeah, there's a chapter in there that explains because the actual construction of a dilemma is um, it, it, I don't want to say it's straightforward, but it, yeah, it's form. I don't want to say it's formulaic. It's there's a there's a method to doing it. Yeah. And I, it, it's basically the method how I did the first four. Yeah. And then. Which is good because actually I wrote one recently and went back to that chapter and was like, OK, Phil, past Phil teach current Phil how to how write to do this, yep. how to write a dilemma. Yeah. Um, which I should, you know what? Cause I say, we'll talk about the end, but I won't. So let me just tell you really quick. Yeah. The unpublished dilemma, which are um, at some point we will lay out. And at some point our um, Patreon backers will get a hold of first. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Is called troubled love. Oh yeah. Uh, you are a superhero in love with that a super a villain and you are wrestling with turning your lover into the authorities for their most recent crime. Yeah, we 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 got more interested like later on in more more recently. Um originally the game was very much like you will connect with this more if it's just modern and you should play it really realistically. Um but I ended up having a couple of playtests that were extremely impactful. One of which was um, essentially D and D, like it was it was D and D genre, right? Like, and it was in D and D genre in the in the way of like even like scenes were happening like we're on our way into a dungeon kind of thing. But obviously, it wasn't the fighting part; it was the emotional parts that were happening for this 
half orc cleric around um like this this chronic condition that they had um and were they going to um undergo this ritual instead of drug because we had transposed it right um this this really risky ritual to see if they could like um get better quality of life um and it was really intense actually and then i also played a play test where we set it on an orbital space station and it was um the baby blues dilemma and we actually ended up raising the intensity of the question because um you had to be part of the lottery to be allowed to have a child, right? Because there's limited space and limited resources on this orbital station. You have to maintain a steady population. So you had to like submit to um, to be allowed to have children. Um, and this person had ended up in a relationship with like the governor of the orbital station who was like the only person who didn't have to go through the lottery. So there was a lot of weird like privilege class stuff that ended up um, knitted even more firmly into that decision and dilemma. Whereas like conversations about like, if you say no, think of all the people who aren't even getting the opportunity who really want to say yes, right? Um, so uh, I think there's a lot of cool, potentially less really super personal stuff also potentially hanging around out there that I'm excited about. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I, I also like, I'm hoping that like at some point I really can't wait to see what other decisions other people come up with. Like, I'm so excited about this idea. Yeah. I mean, we are definitely going to open this up and let other people make decisions and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so eventually we tried, we, we talked about it a bunch recently about like, oh, we should really dust it off and get it restarted or whatever. And we finally, we just picked a week and we said, you know what we need to do is not do this a little every night. It's not working. What we need to do is just pick a week on the calendar and dedicate ourselves to doing like the whole week and yeah. just work on it. Yeah. And so we, did. we did. It was this last week. <laughs> it was this last week. Coincidentally, because we had picked that months ago, that also turned out to be this really heavy work week I had. So I was doing double duty all week. Like yeah. I was working super hard at work, coming home, taking a nap, eating dinner, and then um, diving into this manuscript for hours. For, yeah. for hours. Yeah. Um, and so we did. We went we went through the manuscript. I'm I finished my part and you're getting close to finishing like coming up behind me. But yeah, I have two chapters. Here's the thing left. we discovered. Here's the thing we discovered, right? Yeah. Um, and this maybe gets to be some of our advice part of the of the um episode. So role-playing games have this like weird dichotomy of trying to balance being like readable and interesting as well as also being a technical manual yes. right? for how to run stuff. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that I think if you've never made a role-playing game um, and you've never played Blades in the Dark, um, that people tend to overlook is the importance of how the rules, the text and the rules are structured in the game to help you understand where to find things, the flow of, you know, how do you, like, what concepts do you introduce early so that you can talk about them later? How much of the game do you have to explain up front so that people aren't, like, reading things going, well, I don't understand what that means or where that's leading to or whatever until chapters later and like, oh, okay. Like for me, I'm one of those people when I'm reading, if I get a question in my head and I can't answer it, I can't hear anything else I'm reading because the question now is lodged into my head. Yeah. 
right? So I am very much a person who's like, look, I want to tell you a synopsis of this thing to give you context before we get started, hopefully to answer your high level questions. Then I want to tell you stuff in detail. Right. Yes. So when we peeled into this, like we found some real structural problems. The game is fine. The game is fine. Yeah. The manuscript is suffering some structural problems. Can I, before I turn it over to you, make the yeah. comment about yeah. Blades in the Dark, right? Sure. Um, I find Blades in the Dark to be actually a pretty enjoyable game and I like it a lot, but I have made it clear on several occasions. I think the organization of information in that book is terrible. I cannot I have never been able to instinctively find anything in that game. I struggle. If I have to pick up the book, I'm already, I have tears in my eyes in the middle of a game. If I have to pick up the book and look up something, um, because I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll never find it. We're going to spend five minutes here. Anyway. So for me, this, this idea of where do you put stuff uh, is really important. And as it turned out, in the original manuscript is not great. Yeah, it, well, it's not that it's not great. It's more that in in making sure that um, that we covered all of the um, sort of all the upfront questions, what we ended up doing was iteratively just repeating the same things over and over again in multiple places. Um, so we like in the intro, there's a very brief synopsis, kind of like what we just did at the beginning of the show. And then yeah. in the next chapter, there was like a more detailed synopsis. And then the next chapter was like getting started, which gave the full in-depth overview, in-depth-ish. And then chapter seven was like, and here's the intent behind all of the things. But by doing it iteratively like that, we really... Um, kind of ended up repeating a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. And it's funny because when I had previously been reviewing chapters, I was I was reviewing each chapter individually as Phil finished it. And in a vacuum, each of them both made sense on their own. Yes. And this was the first time that we had both kind of gone through the entirety of the manuscript from start, um, you know, in the current order through. And what we discovered is that um, there was a lot of repetition. Right. <laughs> there was there was a lot of repetition. There was um, we had we wound up having some really good talks about what really needs to be where. Yeah. Um, there was some overlap where like the chapter that describes the dilemma kind of also then starts to describe how to use the dilemma. But right. the Which chapter on getting, getting started, started is yeah. <laughs> really about using the dilemma book like to get started. And so what what we wound up doing, which was really good, was we have a new outline, yeah, which is still utilizing pretty much like 90% of the material we wrote. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, put this up here, chain, like hack half the text out of this chapter and yep. make sure it goes into the other chapter. Make sure that we already covered all of those details in the other chapter, which we probably did, but we just need to validate, right? Right. We didn't even talk about the other components like the table mat right. and the other sheets. So let's turn this chapter into a materials chapter. Yeah. Which which also means some other parts can go up to the materials <laughs> chapter and things right. like that. And then as I was going through the main section, like the chunkiest of chapters, the one on actually running scenes. Yeah. <laughs> in nowhere did in the original writing of it, did I put any of the instructions slash rules for heartstrings? Oh, I was. They're even, just not there. I was, they're just gone. They're just, they just don't exist. But I was going to yeah. say, we made a really big deal in the text about how it's really important 
for um, all of your scenes to maintain continuity. Like they're not going to yes. be played in order, but they have to be continuous. Like they have to make sense. And then our example that goes through the entire chapter doesn't have any kind yeah, of violates like, that continuity violates it, from other examples right, in the book. Not even from other examples, but even in that chapter where like at the right. beginning of the chapter, we say that he's dating a guy named Lucas. And by the end of the chapter, we say he's dating a guy named Alex. Like, yeah. and I, I got to We're the end a, of it and I was like, who's Alex? <laughs> like, <laughs> and these are the reasons one edits, right? But, but what we realized was, yes, we were repeating stuff. So let's figure out how to reduce the repetition. Yes. But also, um, and this was a good point from you, I had originally, when we outlined the book, I was like, oh, at the end, Appendix A will put the quick start in the book. So like, if you buy the book and you're like, boy, I really just want to run the game first, like, cool, go to the chapter for the quick start, read it, get playing. But as we were talking about it, every time we talked about like overviews or what is the game or whatever, we eventually, and you were the one who suggested it was we should just move the quick start to like the second oh. chapter of the book. Yeah. The, like the just quick put start it right up front. The quick start should be the TLDR of the rules. This is what you require to play the game. Yes. Now we're going to talk more about why Everything. and how you can, you know, and if you wanted to hack it, like here's the things you need to know and et cetera. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last two chapters of the book, which I'm proud of because I don't know too many role-playing games that do this. The last two chapters of the book uh, are uh, how to run this game for conventions. Yeah. And how to run to it online. To which we even yeah. give you the convention blurbs. Yeah, yeah. To, like, you don't even have to just, write it yourself. You can just cut and paste yeah. our blurb because they're the ones we've used for conventions. Yes, we got it down. <laughs> right. And we also explain like, hey, if you're playing it at a convention, like, go back to the following, like the chapter before it is all the um, facilitator advice. Yeah. And it's like, hey, go back to these specific sections because they happen a lot yeah. when you're at a convention. Make sure that you understand these scenarios because yeah. they will come up. Yeah. And then the final, final chapter yeah. is online play where we talk about, hey, if you're going to play this game online because it has some table components and things like that, here are some ways that you can actually play the game online because you absolutely can play it online. We have. Oh yeah, we definitely have. Right. Yeah. We've run it at conventions. We've run it for friend groups. We've, we've run, we've it, run online. it online. Yep. I've run it for online conventions. Yep. Yeah. Um, of mm -hmm. which you then combine everything that you need to know from the online section and, and the online. convention section. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we put the, we put all of that advice in the book. Plus we also made, if you're familiar with um, what was formerly the gauntlet gaming community, but now the open hearth community, we have a keeper for uh for turning point as well so it is we've built it to play it online so yeah. you can use the online keeper um as well and you can go into it if you want to make your own dilemmas and um set it up for your dilemmas and stuff like that as well so uh we're bringing back turning point um we're bringing back what, turning point and what we need yeah i was gonna say real quick so the advice is reread your manuscript i guess if you're in game well, design and and be be cognizant of the order and usability of how you approach your rules in terms of how much detail you give at a time. I have one more story. Yeah. So again, we put, we shelved this thing around 2020. Yes. We played it for like two years. Yes. As I was editing this go around, I, I stumbled onto a chapter in, I stumbled onto a sentence in the chapter on uh, playing the dilemmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that had the word player in it 
so many times that I was like, the player who is playing the character and the player who is playing the cast member are playing a scene. And I was like, (laughs) you know, I should probably like, we should have a term for the player who's playing the character. I'm like, that should be the active player. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, and we should, the person who's playing the um, cast member that is the NPC in the scene, they should be the supporting player. Yeah. And I was like, oh, good. I'll, put that into the, like, I'll put that in the manuscript. Like I'll go back to the top and start putting it in. And then I was like, holy shit, how did this game go this far without terms for these two players? Like, I know we're going to actually have to go do some work on the the quick start. The quick start's going to be updated. Like we will update the text in the quick start and re-release the quick start at some point because the term active player and supporting player simplifies the (laughs) shit out of some of the descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. So much so. Like, I was shocked. I was like, how did we, how did this challenging. game? It was challenging. I, well, this is the designer trap, right? When the designers are the people who run the game the most. Yes. Um, you are just used to handling everybody at the table. Um, and so we just, we wrote around having these terms, but it's so silly not to have these terms. And when I stumbled on it, I texted you and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm like, what do you think of these two, two, like, these well, two terms? They're so obvious. How did we right. miss them? <laughs> How did we miss them? Right. Anyway. Um, so we're fixing that up as well. So let me tell you what's going to happen next, because I'm sure people are like, well, are you actually going to make the game? And the yes. answer is yes, yes, we are. Um, so what we're going to do is now that we've done a read through and figured out, um, we have a bunch of edits we have to look at as well as some structural rewrites that we need to do. Yes. So we're going to just pick another week in like another month or month and a half. And we're just going to pick a week and do the same thing. We're just going to clear out a week and do writing. Yep. And we're going to fix all of this shit. Yeah. And, the goal is to get the manuscript um, done from our hands and into our editor's hands. So Sean Merwin, Bob Everson, we're going to mm-hmm. hand it off to editing. Um, and actually, I think we're going to have Chris read it through once to read it from a, um, like as a uh, beta reader, kind of read through the whole structural um, yeah, thing. Sure anyway, we're going to get out of our hands, get it into everybody else's hands to start reading. And then we're going to figure out how to publish it. Um, yeah, it's, there are a couple, it's not going to be, options. it's probably, it's not going to be a Kickstarter that we run. It's not going to be a Kickstarter we run. Exactly. So the options that I'm floating out there is there are a few people I know who I would trust to run a Kickstarter. Sure. Um, like where I would love to be able to um, sell a portion, a percentage of the game to them. And have them, you know, run the Kickstarter and gain some future profits from the game existing and stuff like that. And if that's the case, then the game will have um, probably lots of artwork and maybe extra dilemmas and all that stuff. Um, And if that's not the case, um, we will we I have encoded as a small amount of money. We will purchase up something nice for a cover and a couple of pieces of artwork and then fuck it. We're just going to go sans artwork. You'll like no one's going to die without artwork right. in this it's game it, if you go back and look at fiasco fiasco is not chock full of artwork either Mm-mm. no it's really um, just layout because it's doesn't have a setting yeah and it and, doesn't really need artwork and frankly turning point is the same thing it doesn't really have a setting exactly so it doesn't really need artwork to convey it and we do have a graphical artist who's very talented so it will look nice yeah it will lay out nicely but I don't know if it needs a lot of artwork and if it doesn't, then we just forego it and we're going to put it out on drive-thru and it will just live. Uh, And I'll probably make an EPUB version because I'm into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'll it'll it will very easily make an EPUB. Oh version. yeah, it's not it's not even going to be painful. Correct. It has almost no artwork. <laughs> like yeah. it, will, it will EPUB yeah. very nicely, actually. <laughs> right. Um, so we're going to put it out. I, we are not putting any timetable on it um, because that is not a thing I want to get into. Nah. But what I think we will do kind of along the way, and I think I'd like to do it before the end of the year, is clean up and lay out the um, the new dilemma. Yeah. And we'll release it um, to our Patreon backers for free. And then we'll put it out up on drive-thru for other people to buy. Um, and you can play Troubled Love, which is basically inspired by Batman and Catwoman, right? Like I love it. It is. I love it. It is. Yeah, you are. You are the superhero and you have fallen in love with the supervillain. And for a while she was like, no, no, I've turned my evil ways. But then you catch her. Not. Like secretly catch her having committed some crime. And now you're like, now what do, do I, I do? let her go? Yep. And keep my relationship, or do I send her to jail and, keep and my maintain morals. my hero integrity? <laughs> but I'm definitely losing my relationship. Yup. Which I think is fun, and actually, it's a thing. And I'll just before we wrap up, I'll just say this last piece. In 2019, when we wrote the manuscript, we were very much in a place, both of us emotionally where all we wanted to do was play like raw emotional games that like tore our hearts out and like like just made us cry and all of that stuff and turning point could certainly do it it sure um, it sure did we did it, it even we made did some very it. stoic people <laughs> yeah. shed some tears yeah i always um, think of when i made bob cry at the table yes Yes. And like, which, which don't, that is, uh, just to be clear, that is, um, I carry Not a hallmark it, or a bragging point right. of the game. I mean, I carry it as a, um, I carry it as, as like a, a, a point of like, it can carry this much emotional weight. And I am proud yes. of the game for being able to do that. Right. Exactly. It's not my intention or our intention as designers to be like, put this game at the table so you can hurt each other. Yeah, in fact, it's there's not emotionally so, terrorizing, so right? much like safety in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about it, but there is a ton of safety built into the game. There's a ton of safety. And in fact, one of the chapters that we ended up moving around is like, it was the first chapter. And we were like, maybe maybe it needs to be like the second the or third, third chapter, or right? Chapter. Like, it'll still be hot, far up in the book. But like, maybe maybe we have to talk about what the game is so that you understand why you need the safety, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. But now, like, now with some emotional distance, more therapy and a number of my life problems uh, and issues resolved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually looking at Turning Point in a broader sense of like, there are a lot of lower emotional things that we could do with it, like that lower, people could do with it. Lower intensity from a personal empathetic perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, like this superhero one is like a perfectly fine example. Oh, I would be delighted to play that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's ways to use it to um, lay out. You could use it to, you know, create a turning point for a villain. Sure. Right. In yeah, your existing I wanted, campaign. I would, oof. Gosh, what do I mean? If we had a dilemma that was basically, are you going to be the hero or the villain? Right? Like, sure, absolutely. That would be fun. Yeah. So I think there's other things to do. And I think there's other places that this game can go. And it's built to be able to go to those places. And it is also built so that it could also go to the really raw, emotional human stories. Yeah. Um, and at this point, I don't want to, I want it to be broad and let people use it the way that they would like to use it. Yeah. Um, 
I don't necessarily think that was exactly true in 2019 when I was hurting and wanted like empathy and was like, I would like people to feel my plight kind of thing. Right. I think think there was a certain amount. There was was a lot of that in there. And (laughs) that's, um, that's all getting edited out. That's all getting kind of backed off. We're just, we're, we're Uh, just clearing all of that, that stuff. Yeah, we're lowering. But it was in there. We're lowering the intensity of reading the rules right now. Yeah, there, I mean, a few more years of therapy. Yes, <laughs> and resolving you know, some of my life issues. It's probably like, a better really game put some for clarity. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think it would have been a problem when we released it, but honestly, I think it is. It will be better served. Yeah. Um, by both of us being in much better places in our yeah. lives. Yeah, anyway, much more secure. We should wrap listen, this thanks. up. Uh, we are. Yeah. So thank you for listening to our chit chat on Turning Point. You have heard us talk about the game before. If you are new to this and you're like, boy, that game sounds interesting and I think I might want to play it. You can go to Drive Through RPG and just type in Turning Point. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, actually, you have to type in like Turning Point Senda or Turning Point Phil because there's there's like a whole series of... um. Um, of specific I know no I know I know but there's a whole series of um of pre-written adventures for something that are all named turning point (laughs) they're like each chapter in the turning point adventure it's like I don't know a Warhammer 40k or something Battletech I see Battletech see if you just put in turning point you will only get Battletech now okay you know what's good just put in the word encoded turning point encoded or just look up encoded designs Um, but you will definitely find the turning point quick start rules it is full on you can play it right now. Right. You can totally play it. You can totally play it. You should mm-hmm. totally play it. Enjoy it. Have a good time with it while we work up the rest of the game. And yeah. again, patrons will get access to, um, eventually we'll get access to that new dilemma. Sure. Cool. Sounds great. It was a nice way to end the week. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Let's, um, <laughs> let's do the, let's do the thing we do. Can you tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network? And then we'll get to our closing. Yeah, I would love to. On Misdirected Mark plays, Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry play and discuss a campaign they've created and are playing and have, if you listen to the last episode or you're wondering if you'd listen to Misdirected Mark plays right now, they've just wrapped up a very very cool and intense arc of the actual play. Um, And it has been very cool listening to them talk about specific things from a GM and design perspective after you've heard them happen in the story. I'm really enjoying this format. So just to be clear, from a personal perspective, and the game is awesome. Um, Children of the Shroud is great. Uh, So long story short, instead of just hearing them talk about the theory, now you get to listen, as I said, to them discuss the the theory and design in the context of the game that you just heard them play. It's great. um, And you should check it out. Indeed. 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 Thank you. Say, Sandra, where do people find us on the internet? Where's that one place (laughs) that people can find us on the internet? Uh Um, You can find us at misdirectedmark.com slash panda. And on that page, you can find all of the information that you need to find us in all of the places, whether it's Blue Sky, Twitter. Um, gosh, I guess we don't have a Tumblr yet, but we could have one now that I don't have to say it, right? And 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 TikTok, all of the places, our email, everything is there. Um, and once you have checked that out and found all of us, all of the places, Phil, what can they do with that information? 
You should absolutely send us a question, a topic, an idea, something you'd like to hear us talk more about, uh, especially if it's going to help you or other people improve their gaming at the table. That is our real main focus here. Um, That is the thing we like to do. And uh, we want to do it for you, right? Like we could we could give advice to each other about our own games, but really we do, but we don't record it. (laughs) Correct. But what we'd like to do is help give advice about your games. So send us a question, a topic, an idea. Let us put our decades of uh, GMing to use, our near decade of um, GMing advice to use Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So we are here to serve you now. Um, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Slack Room for Life. You can hang out with us Fridays for lunch. You can take part in any number of topics and chats and things like that um, that are on our Slack um, in our Slack space. Uh, if you are higher, if you go to some of the higher level tiers, you can get access to the children, the shroud materials. And I think at our highest tier, um, you can get into our development space where, um, I know Chris has been doing some work and we probably at some point in the life cycle of turning point, will probably put turning point in there in maybe a beta, um, reader kind of, um, situation. Yeah. That would make sense. I'm, I'm not 100% sure when, because I think I wanted to go through editing before uh, we send yeah, it to beta readers and things like that, yeah. as not to waste your time with things that our editors could fix first. Yes. So, um, but anyway, that's what that tier is for. So uh, if you're a patron of the show, thank you very much. If you are unable to patron the show, that's okay. There's still a thing you can do that helps us immensely, takes just a few minutes of your time, and we know it works because some of you are here because of it. What is that thing said though? Um, yeah, you could tell a friend or leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, basically, if you leave a written review on one of those places, you're telling a stranger. But if you tell someone on your social media of choice or in person, then you're telling someone who probably will actually directly like the show and trusts your reviews more than random strangers on the internet. So we know that that's really effective. And we really appreciate that a lot of you are listening to the show because someone told you about it. So thank you to everybody for spreading the word. And thank you to everybody who's left reviews. They really do also make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. Mm -hmm. So if you want to leave us a present, um, leave us a review and then tell me because there's lots of places you could leave reviews and it's really hard to like track them all or whatever. Yeah, 100%. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Say, Senda, um, how many more chapters do you need to look at before you're finished? Two. Nice. Those are pretty fast. Yeah, they're going pretty quick. I would have finished it last night, but it got too late. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all clicked in. in. Click. We clicked. Clicked in. Clicked in. Bloop. Okay. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. We are even less scripted than we normally are. Super unscripted today. <laughs> this is very much a uh, chit chat with a specific topic. Yeah, we should probably so, just introduce it like that. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Focused chit chat. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll get into the why when we actually start recording. But we're here. We're queer, and we're gonna record a podcast. I it have, doesn't rhyme. I, no, I know eyelash. I sorry. Oh my eyelash just fell off of my eyeball, and I. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, you want to go on a tangent? When I was in, uh, when I was in undergrad, I took an electron microscopy class, and the thing we used to use to move the slide samples around, um, because the samples were so tiny and fragile, were eyelashes um, or Dalmatian hairs. But most of us didn't have access to Dalmatians as undergrads, so we used to pull our eyelashes out. We used to pull them. out? Out? They come out pretty easy. That Just, sounds extremely painful. No, no they come out with a little, little to no effort. But then no. what you do is you, you get an eyelash, you put it down on a glass slide and you what? take, you would take this apple, you take the stick um, and you dip it in some nail polish and touch the blunt end of the eyelash to the stick and then blow on it. So it would, you'd have a tool and then these um, things were so small. You'd have to be under a microscope and they'd be floating in water and you'd use the eyelash on the stick to move them around. Things you didn't know about electron <laughs> microscopy, huh? Really, really did not. I have like, a picture. I have a picture of a plant. I have a picture of a plant. Uh, what is it? A corn cell that I like. You can actually see the nucleus and all the parts of it that like I did myself. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. That was a pretty neat class, actually. Got to actually use um, use an electron microscope, which is... I mean, um, that's really cool in and of itself. But yeah. like, but how many eyelashes did you have to sacrifice to this class? I mean, they grow back, right, over the course of a semester. <laughs> so some, some, you know, I had a small collection of them I kept in a little case that when I needed to make another, um, when I needed to make another um, piece, like a tool. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this story. Anyway, we should probably start recording. Yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you since it's you just you know, blurted out the word eyelash. <laughs> well, suddenly there was an eyelash on my yeah, finger. Well, I made it relevant. Yeah, so. you did make it relevant. I suppose you would have needed it. I would have saved it for you if there you, you had go. been using it. All right. On. Bloop. on our way. Oh, my goodness. No, you can't yawn. <sighs> Sorry. You slept more than Count. you slept more than me, and I've been working. Since, I've been working two more hours than you this morning. I know, and I fell I asleep first to. Uh, yeah, you, you do, you do. To be fair, but I uh, last night I was like, I'm really, really tired, but I don't know if I'm gonna fall right to sleep. So I went on my Finch app, and I was like, play me a Rainscape, and it did. And I don't even remember like <clears throat> a minute. Nice. I remember starting it, and then I was just gone. And then I woke up this morning and was like, congratulations, you like listened to 30 minutes of Rainscape, collect your five gay monies. And I was like, yes, please. I don't remember doing that. <laughs> then it did. Then it did its it job. It did its job. All right. Let's get motoring. Count. Yep. Here we go. Bloop. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying not to yawn again. Okay. Well, uh, I'm awake. All right. We good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Here we go. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, sometimes known as Chit. And I am, oh dear, I screwed it up. 
Do you want to do it again? Yes. Okay. Not your fault. Just no. I didn't know. I I but jumped in too soon. You always critique me for not saying my name after the thing. So I know because you have to say your name, otherwise somebody who's All new right, won't ready, know ready, ready, who you okay, are. Okay. Bloop. And welcome to another fine episode of Pan Talk. <sighs> Look what you've done. I'm sorry. Look I'm what sorry. you've done. <laughs> Bloop. That's okay. Show me what you got. Show, show me what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Uh-huh.